Welcome to the podcast. Sit down, relax, put your feet up, have an egg. And brought to you by our patrons, especially Scribbles and Carlo. No, they haven't been cooked. Stop asking. Hello, and welcome to a probably bad podcast. A podcast, which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. And I'm Paper. And today's probably bad RPG idea is... Your paladin's oath compels them to only talk in heroic speeches on the nature of right and wrong, even when ordering a drink or asking about the weather. So as someone who did a philosophy degree, I can confirm these people do exist, and they are very annoying. (laughs) Are any of them paladins? I don't believe so, but I'm not sure what they did after graduation. (laughs) They might have done a master's in paladining. (laughs) If anyone listening to this has done a master's in paladin oaths, please send us in. (laughs) Not send us anything specific, just send us in. Please, please send little images of ourselves talking about paladins in. I mean, we did get a fan art of the last episode, which I think is maybe our first one. They're growing. But anyway. Pretty exciting. Beyond our own hubris. Like, I just... Because I think the fundamental problem with paladins, Kalas, is that they're either played with no consideration for their oath, or they're played as absolute assholes. Mm-hmm. There is there is absolutely no in between. Yeah, and I feel like if you're going to do that, you might as well like go all out. Uh, have your character just bring up their oath in every conversation. I feel like. How good of an idea this is really depends on what their oath is. Because mm. my immediate thought was like, oath of redemption. Just like, ah, these french fries will redeem me from the fact that I allowed myself to become hungry. Fascinated by the paladin who considers every every like thing they do either a sin or a way of atoning for that sin. I committed, well, yeah. I committed the sin of sleep and I must atone by awakening. I mean, have you looked at the things that some pe- some people consider sinful lately? I think I think we have it's just invented full, the like Catholic- nuggin. I think we have just invented the Catholic Church. Quite possibly. Well, it went so well the last time someone did it. Mm. We've already got Vatican Two, so I guess this is Vatican Three. <laughs> is Paladin who considers everything either sin or redemption? If we get, like, at least a million subscribers to our Patreon, we will start a new religion. (laughs) I will petition to become Pope. Oath of the Ancestors would be an interesting one, I think. Just sitting down and having a nice... Having a nice think on every action and whether or not your nan would approve. I feel like the way I would have to do that is, like... Yeah, you have the soul of your nan following you around. Or no, yeah, you would be just, like... Are these fries that my ancestors would approve of? Let me just think of what my grandma said about fries when she was alive. <laughs> oh, for she, she probably said something along the lines of, they're called chips and why are they so skinny? <laughs> Which I think means you're not allowed them. Yeah, we can only have thick-ass chips, my grandma says so. Thick-ass chips to make your ass thick. Like my grandma used to make. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other paladin oaths because it's it's not a class that I encounter very often. Uh, I I may be searching it. Uh, so <laughs> oath oath of conquest would be an interesting one. 
which is presumably you can only like order food if you have like physically taken it from the store. Like you are like, could I, could I have you know a burger and I give you the burger and without paying you grab it screaming thus perishes virtue and the weak, and then just <laughs> leap through a window. See, now I'm just imagining a little raccoon paladin of conquest whose thing is just like, I will take all of your things, now they are my things. Oath of Vengeance is you can only eat meat if it came from particularly evil cows. <laughs> a cow that has personally wronged you in some way. What I do is I go to local farms and I let the cows beat me up so that later I can, I can eat them. Oath of Vengeance Paladin, who is functionally vegetarian because no animal has wronged it in quite some time. <laughs> that is a great response if someone asks why you're vegetarian. <laughs> um, yeah, feel free to use that one, vegetarian listeners. And Oath of the Ancients is preserving nature, so you probably can't order food under capitalism. That's sad. I feel like in modern society, an Oath of the Ancients Paladin is either one of those, like, return people who is just, like, full-on fash, or actually is aware of how prehistoric people lived and just, like, wanders round eating nuts and berries. Hmm. Oh, so, campaign idea. All of these paladins have to organise a restaurant trip together. Everyone plays, a, everyone plays a paladin with a different oath, and all of you need to work to create a menu and choose a restaurant that all of you can go to without violating it. I mean, that does sound like a quest. I'm genuinely struggling to think of something. Hmm. If you have any ideas for a restaurant all these people could go to, submit it to us, and these hungry, hungry paladins can finally have some food. That's the name of the campaign, Hungry Hungry yeah. Paladins. Well, yeah, going back to the more general idea of a paladin who's just continuously speaking in dramatic oaths. Mm-hmm. I, I do, because I do like the idea of just, because it's like with video games, when you have, your character says something like, now you will pay for your sins or something when they attack an enemy. Mm-hmm. Which is fine when you're up against the big bad, but it gets a little bit weird when you're fighting like a rat. Ah, uh, Dragon Age. And you just have a paladin who is pretty sure that all of these, like, angry deer have committed crimes. Angry deer is the primary antagonist in most RPGs. So, an Oath of Vengeance paladin who's just really paranoid. <laughs> and, like, everyone's wronged you if you're paranoid enough. <laughs> I like the idea of, like, an Oath of Vengeance paladin. I think we're now just going on to general paladin oaths. Mm-hmm. But no for Vengeance Paladin, who is, like, trying to get the monsters in the dungeon to insult them so that they can, like, attack them. Presumably, though, they do have this inner conflict about, if I provoked them to insult me, mm. am I not ultimately the one that's in the wrong? Or did they escalate it by insulting me? And then it once again becomes a philosophy essay. Yeah, uh, Paladins are the ideal party for a philosophy essay. Like the yeah, that's the other one. Is a paladin of each oath has to write and present a paper on why their oath is correct. <laughs> that's actually, I think, for one D and D, that's a prerequisite for multiclassing. 
Yeah. I don't me wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, no one <laughs> plays well in D&D. Come at me, bros. Um, uh, no, back to the actual thing, though. I'm trying to work out if it's more fun if the paladin barely ever talks and just speaks in order to do these speeches. Hmm. Or if they just will not shut up. I feel it's more in fitting with the character if they just won't shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, every time you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna go get an early night, they're like, but is an early night truly what virtue requires? Can we sleep when evil still walks among us? And you just want them to shut the hell up. Shut up, Steve. If I'm tired, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> ah, the virtue of avoiding violence. <laughs> yeah, so like they're just they're just very ang <laughs> like they're just very annoying, I think. Which I think is also a prerequisite in first edition to be a paladin. I mean, as much as I've played with some lovely p people who have played lovely paladin characters, a lot of them do end up kind of dicks. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, I think the problem with paladin is it's like the only class that has like an explicit this is what your character must act like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy for people to go, yeah, okay, I have to write like that at all times. Yeah, it's like, when when is your paladin off-duty? Mm. I do like the idea of paladin off-duty of, like, you know, you're committing, you're committing some horrible scissors, paladin of vengeance nearby, and like, eh, sorry, off-duty. Go commit more crimes after 9am and then I'll do something. Well, the thing is, the paladins have unionised. <laughs> And they've Pal managed to extract from their guard a deal for a forty-hour work week. Yeah, which paladins... means you know after five p.m. they're not going to smite for love nor money. Paladins could now. I actually really like the idea of paladins. Like, yeah, I now only have to hold to my oath from nine to nine till five. I especially like the idea of like, because I think what we've created here is a weird fantasy version of the purge. Like, <laughs> except it's get... every night. Yeah, you've got like, because you. Okay, so new idea. Your criminals and necromancers and raiders and all the classic villain things. As you need to get all your raiding done before it's nine a.m. and the paladins <laughs> are back on duty. Like the paladins just sat there watching you stab people. As you need to get it all done quickly before the sunrise. They're like, well, back to work, and then they start screaming, die, sinner, and hitting you with fireballs. Alternative campaign idea. The paladins are on strike. You need to convince them to come back off strike and also prevent crimes. Because you can't punish the criminals, because that would be being a scab. Mm. So you have to prevent the crimes while also negotiating with the paladin union. Yeah, I'd like this very strong commitment to don't cross the picket line. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is, feel... this is a pro-union podcast. Yeah. I think I also like a paladin who, like, just has a really, like, 20-page long legalese-filled oath. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've decided that rather than the previous very woolly terms, I have sat down with my god and determined <laughs> exactly what I am committed to do. The party of the first part... Um... <laughs> Hereby compels the party of the second part to smite the unbelievers under the following conditions. <laughs> Detect evil, uh, and then it just goes through like 
17 different moral theories. <laughs> you do have to figure out under what system of belief of an action is evil as opposed to just bad before you can smite someone. Yeah. It makes for very long combat rounds. Instead of detect evil, they have the power of define evil. <laughs> I mean, that would be a useful skill. I do like if define, like, so it's just got sort of a paladin who can determine whether things are good or bad, like, proactively. It's like Santa. Like... <laughs> is Santa like, a paladin? Yes. Santa is, um, yeah, Santa's a paladin. He shows up at your house, he casts Detect Evil on your kids, uh, and if they don't register as evil, he gives them toys. <laughs> and if they do register as evil, he smites them. Yeah. I mean, in some cultures, yes. <laughs> but spell, like, magical power that means that whatever you do for the next ten minutes is considered morally good is something that would fit in with the law of D&D, where goodness means aligned with certain outer planes. Mm -hmm. But it's also really weird as a concept. Or like banish justification where you cast it on an enemy and whatever they do for the next 10 minutes is considered evil. I love it. Like there's just like I want to know how this would work. My question is like, is it considered good outside of the spell? Like is it only if the target of the spell does it or is it just murder is good now? Yeah, I was thinking it was like I've redefined the nature of goodness such that anything Steve does is evil. But I do like the idea of, like, yeah, I have a magical spell that makes murder morally acceptable for the next 20 minutes. I mean, under your example, if Steve does a murder, that's okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, like, is it okay for people other than Steve? Like, is it that... Because I think it's just Steve specifically is outside morality. <laughs> like, in the same way that, you know, a tiger can kill someone, but it's not murder. Yeah. And Steve is also now not subject to morality. I cast qualified immunity. I cast, what are you, a cop? <laughs> like, if... In D&D worlds where good and evil are, like, specific concrete parts of the world, like, the ability to, like, hide from them or manipulate them, it opens up some really weird concepts. Yeah... I think we might be drifting outside the scope of the idea. Yeah, I think we're now drifting into scopes onto the metaphysical nature of goodness. Incidentally, <laughs> follow for probably bad metaphysical <laughs> conceptions of reality's idea, where we just read Immanuel Kant. Um, if, if you want us to discuss the metaphysical something something, I'm not a philosopher, further, then feel free to submit a question about it, I guess. But yeah, uh, so back to paladins. What is a paladin's metaphysical nature? Does a paladin partake in the form of the good? Let's do questions before this turns <laughs> into an actual essay. In this essay, I will say... Last time on Tales of Morterra. Awesome! 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 We can't, like, tread upon <laughs> our brain we steal. I thought she was going to try and earn surf on the horse. Get, get dead? Eh. You want to kill me? I'm a wizard, I've always got plans. Tales of More Terror, an actual play podcast. Available wherever you're listening to this right now.
Uh, our first question is anonymous. I seek the silly advice. I need to quickly make a roster of 1 to 20 characters for our tabletop RPG project I'm working on. We only found regular, boring, useful advice. Do you have any fun, not useful wisdom to share with a poor little beginner writer like me? I just want to say I love opening the question with I seek the silly advice. You know why we're here. Just take people you know and very slightly change the names and then play with those people. Completely randomise every aspect of every character. Stats, class, race, background, equipment, spells. Hmm. Just figure it out later if you need to justify yeah. them. I mean, to be fair, that is actually a genuinely interesting way of making characters. Oh no, that wasn't a silly advice at all. <laughs> okay, characters. Bob. Uh, Bob A, Bob B, Bob C, Bob D, and so forth. They're all completely identical, both mechanical and fluff-wise, except for having A, B, C, D, etc. after their name. Apart from um, Bob B, who's just Bobby Hill. <laughs> Make your characters exactly the same, except for Bobby Hill. Have you considered populating your world entirely with sitcom characters? Hmm. Do you have a party of twenty? Which twenty sitcom characters would I have? I have a suspicion I, that it might be levels one to twenty, as opposed to one to twenty characters. I think so. Huh. Anyway, so Bobby Hill leveling up to level twenty. Yep. I am now just picturing Fraser Crane as a College of Eloquence bard, and I'm kind of into the idea. I think that, like, I feel the Friends team, the Friends like gang. No, I like, I like the Friends team. Yeah, the Friends team, as they are known. They are a friend team. Ah, <laughs> uh, of warlocks. Could I be any more indebted to Lucifer? <laughs> are they all warlocks of the same I feel they're all... force, or do they all get a different one? I feel they're all warlocks of the same force and they're all, like, really pettily fighting over it. Have you considered having a group of different paladins who all argue about whose oath is more righteous? I feel Sheldon Cooper would be the big bat. Quite possibly. The thing is, a lot of sitcom, sitcom characters are just genuine assholes. Yeah. Yeah, have you considered just Vecna... And that's the level one character, yeah? Yeah. And they just keep making... Make, instead of levelling up, you get more Vecnas. Actually, I'd like to do a character where it's instead of levelling up each fighter, instead of, like, a level one fighter going to level two fighter, a level one fighter goes to two level one fighters, goes to three level one fighters, and so forth. Just escalate the Vecnas. Yeah. Have you seen a progressively escalating Vecnas? I think... Okay, so you make a character... You stat them out from 1 to 20. At the start of each round, you roll a d20 to see what level they are that round. I mean, have you considered 20 characters who are clones, but all of different ages, so they're, they're all different levels? Like, the level 20 is the original one. The level 1 is just, like, fresh out of the tube. Can I build on that? 20 characters... Mm -hmm. who are all siblings from 1 to 20, and there's all this weird, like, envy over the fact that clearly the parents love the ones who are level 20 more. See, I was I was picturing that as, like, they are ages 1 to 20, but now I'm, I'm more intrigued <laughs> by your idea. <laughs> they could also be ages 1 to 20. I can't believe that mum 
gave you arcane knowledge, whereas me, a one-year-old baby, she only gave a sword. Oh no, the baby's the sorcerer. <laughs> Wild Magic Baby. Yeah, I feel like Wild Magic Baby needs to be, like, level two. I'm curious why Wild Magic Baby can't be level one. I mean, I feel like Wild, Ma Wild Magic Baby needs to be able to cast a decent number of spells. That's fair. But beyond two, it's probably no longer baby. Yeah. I think one sh baby should be fighter because you can strap the sword to the baby and swing it. I think but, the yeah. baby has to be a protection-style fighter. Because mm. then you can just, like, give the baby a shield and put it, like, put it in one of those baby wearers. Actually... Have you just considered... use it as a meat shield. Have you considered making all 20 characters babies? Uh, they don't need to give them any real, like, personality or descriptions. Because they're just babies. Thing is, your characters have arrived on a plane that is just baby. It's like... The, the elemental plane of baby. <laughs> it's like a boss baby, is what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, there's that hard-hitting documentary on the elemental plane of babies. Well, like, I can't believe we're going to say this sentence, but have you seen Boss Baby? I actually haven't. Uh... So basically there's like this pre-birth world mm. where a lot of the babies are kind of actually intelligent, hence the Boss Baby. Mm. Um, and there's this whole kind of, kind of fucked up thing of like, the baby will become stupid if it stays... Um, but the point I was trying to make was this is just like a world run by baby. Hmm. And have you considered making that the setting of your campaign? I feel like in this, it should be people are born as like adults and then they Benjamin Button down to babies. So we've but got like... a level one adult and then a level 20 baby. Like they've got the intelligence of babies, but as they sort of Benjamin Button back, they get more intelligent. Hyper-intelligent baby. Yeah. So, yeah, have you considered a hyper-intelligent baby as shown in the movie Boss Baby, but a wizard? <laughs> I mean, Boss Baby might have been a wizard. I have not seen it. Boss Baby is not a wizard. He's just a little business boy. Unacceptable. Remake it. Well, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the TV show. Hmm. I didn't... Every day I learn new things about Boss Baby, and I am never sure which ones are real. Just believe all of them. It's, a, it's mm. the best approach. So moving on from Boss Baby, um, Ship of Skitties says, So, uh, thoughts on our D&D campaign being made up of Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss, Keir Starmer, and not Steve. I'm not fucking joking, please send help. I thought we were moving away from things run by babies. Ah, sick burn, but a... Like, I mean, it's, it, I guess it's good for, like, a brief campaign where you're not expecting the players to stay around for very long. I'm mostly just intrigued by not Steve. Yeah, like, I wasn't... Is, is this the one person who is not Steve, or is this, like, the polar opposite of Steve? Yeah, I wasn't sure if this was, like, a political reference, I didn't guess. Or whether it was just our general disdain for Steve's. I think it's just our general disdain for Steve, the hypothetical worst player. Hmm. What hypothetical worst player would be worse than Ricky Sunak, Liz Truss, and Kia Starmer? 
Did you say Ricky Sunak? I did say Ricky Sunak, yes. That's not his name. His name is also not Steve. <laughs> All of the characters are not Steve is what I'm getting. Hmm. Has anyone... Has anyone ever actually met a Steve? Yes. Ah. I've, I've known a couple of Steves. I, do, I know some Stevens, but no Steve. Anyway, politics. <laughs> Let's make some controversial opinions. I mostly I feel... just feel sorry for you have expecting Liz Truss or Keir Starmer to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Although, I don't know, I can see Keir Starmer as a D&D character. Probably, again, a bard or like another high-charisma character who just kind of stands there and makes all these promises and then... The rest of the party goes off and does something else, and then he's like, "You see, this is why I need to run the party." I can see Kia Starmer. It's my dark secret. <laughs> but just at all times, <laughs> he just spends his time stood outside my window, looking in, going, "Poor, poor." <laughs> like I feel like. Have you tried offering him your paw like a dog and see what happens? I feel like Liz Truss would show up for one session, piss off a red, piss off like an elder realm, worm, great, would show up for one session, piss off like a powerful dragon, and then just leave. See, that, that feels more like a, a David Cameron move. Mm. I was picturing Liz Truss as that one player that turns up to session zero and is never heard from again. Yeah, like I think shows up to the Schlesinger. Why can't I talk? Liz Truss is mad at me. Shows up to session zero, writes out a character sheet. The character sheet spontaneously combusts and then just climbs under the table. That relatable D and D problem. Yeah, have the rest of you not had all your worldly possessions burst into flames? Not recently. Hmm. I think Rishi Sunak is the one who, like, shows up after a really, really awful player has been booted out, so so seems good in comparison, but is in fact still just not a very good player. Um, so. Rishi Sunak politics. is the follow-up on your D&D Horror Stories post. Yeah. But what about Not Steve? Because theoretically, Not Steve should be the platonic ideal of a D&D player. Hmm. Or at least the platonic ideal of not being called Steve. So now I'm curious what name is the opposite of Steve? What What is the name of this hypothetical perfect player? Everst. Everst. Everts, even. No, I like Everst. Yeah, Everst is the perfect player. Everst has a well-made character, always stays in character, even when he's not playing the game. Uh, if you bump into him in the street, he will address you as his paladin. Um, See, this is this is feeling like it's becoming bad player again, or is he just bad in a different way to Steve? Like he's good at player, he's just bad at every other aspect of his life. Whereas I imagine Steve is hyper competent, but just absolutely garbage at RPGs. <laughs> like Steve cannot role play, but does have like a proper job. Whereas Everst is good at role playing, but then you go outside and they're just chasing down children like a wolf so steve is like a guy who does an rpg as like a corporate team building activity and yeah. and tries to win 
Yeah, Steve is here entirely because he thinks it will help his merger and acquisitions go through. Uh, he does not know what an elf is, and he refuses to learn. Um, whereas whereas Evers, Evers has memorized every source book. Yeah. But is also kind of chill if you ho- ho- if you house rule it, but mm. also t- does turn up late with a new disease every session. Yeah. Like, Evers brings great snacks during game, but any other time he is just eating literal garbage, like old cans and stuff. Well, yeah, he saves the best snacks for his friends. Because <laughs> he's a good person. I show up to every every RPG session with a fully cooked English breakfast. And then I eat the plate. <laughs> Steve only lies and Everest only tells the truth. <laughs> Steve is married to someone whose name he still does not know. Everest is married to a hypothetical halfling. They're um, also I'm not brothers. Sure. This is getting, like, very political. No, it's not. What the fuck am I talking about? This was meant to be any political, but instead we're mocking Steve and Everest. Um, so thanks for listening. Both Steve and Everest have decent shots of becoming the next Prime Minister, if that helps. <laughs> like, I have decent shots of becoming the next Prime Minister. No one knows what's going on anymore. So thank you for listening to our podcast. My condolence, my apologies to anyone called Steve or Everest. <laughs> oh, I condolences guess. is correct for Everest. Yeah, and I guess if Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss, or Kia Starmer are listening, pull yourselves together. Yeah, subscribe to our Patreon. You have enough money. Um, yes, we do have a Patreon. Probably about <laughs> RPG ideas, where you can get bonus episodes and homebrew. Yeah, even if you're not a Tory MP, you can still get those. In fact, you're more likely to than if you're not a Tory MP, really. Yeah. Because you would be giving money to queer people. Yes, that. And if you have a question or want to encourage Pencil to talk more about the objective morality of paladins, mm-hmm. um, you can email us at probablybadpodcast at gmail.com or message probablybadrpgideas on Tumblr. And... Remember and then to have, have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.